Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Fly ball left field. Nate McClough is there. And the magical season of the Baltimore Orioles continues. Ball and two strikes on goals. Round ball to first. There's Pierce. And the Orioles are champions of the AL East. Everybody knows he's ready to fire on the first one. Base is loaded. Young swings, line drive, and he's down and to the wall. Cruz is in. Pierce is in. Party around third. He's going to try to score. And save. The Orioles have the lead. With the first selection of the 2019 MLB draft, the Baltimore Orioles select Adley Rutschman, a catcher from Oregon State University. Good evening, Birdland, and welcome in for number episode number seven of Talking Birdie and Orioles Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and with me as usual is my good friend Brad. How are you doing, buddy? What's up? What's up, my man? All right, all right. Just a long-ass day of work. There was a a time today that I thought it was in doubt that we were going to be able to get this done. So I appreciate you being here with me, buddy. How you doing? Pretty good. Um, I was available pretty late today anyway, so no big deal here. Uh, me and my fiance went and saw our wedding venue, um, doing some last-minute preparations for that. We're getting married in just under three weeks now, so it's coming up close, and you're going to be one of my groomsmen in this ceremony. I, I, I think I'll show up. I certainly hope you do because it's going to be pretty imbalanced if you don't. Yeah, we wouldn't want that to happen, so I'll be there for you, buddy. So since we started this nice new tradition of drinking during the show, uh, I see you have yourself a drink there. What do you got? What are you sipping on? I got myself a bottle of 1792, small batch. It's a whiskey, about $36 for this bottle. I'm not like a, I don't consider myself to be, I enjoy whiskey. I don't consider myself to be a whiskey snob or anything, but guys that I know that are of that level, you know, like whiskey know-it-alls tell me that like for your buck, 1792 has probably the best, you know, somewhat of a rich taste, but it's not as expensive as like some of the other ones. So I taste it. I think it's Johnny Walkers and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've tried Johnny blue before and some people who are 
whiskey snobs will probably hear me say this and they'd want to slap me in the face but like i don't taste much of a difference between this and johnny blue right now so i'm enjoying it i'm living my life and if anybody's got a problem with it they can come see me very nice man are you drinking that mixed with anything are you drinking it on the rocks or neat what are drinking you drinking it on the rocks my man drinking very it on nice. the rocks that's yep. what's up what about you what about you what do so, you got I got a little twisted last time, so I figured I'd keep it a little more low-key. And uh, Uh-oh. I have this uh, Ballast Point Sculpin IPA. Uh, it's a, a beer that I've been looking for for a while. Uh, it's brewed in San Diego, so sometimes it doesn't always make it to the liquor stores out here. Manny Machado, baby. Machado yeah. made it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, found that recently, so I figured I'd give it a try. And it's, it's pretty good if you like IPAs. If you don't, you're definitely going to hate it. But, uh, I am. I'm I like a, it. I consider myself an IPA guy, but I mean, I'll pretty much drink any beer that's available to me. But if I'm like at a bar and I'm picking from from a list of what's on tap, if there's IPAs, that's usually what I'm gonna go to first. Yeah, I'm just starting to get into them. The first one that I had was not very good, and I thought all IPAs tasted like that, so I kind of yeah. swore off them for a while. And then I tried one at a local brewery out here in Frederick, and really, really, really liked it. So Which brewery was that? That wasn't Flying Dog, was it? No, I know it was, it was caught up out there. Brewer's Alley? It uh, wasn't Brewer's Alley either. It was uh, Monocacy Brewing. Okay. Yeah, I think I actually was there not too long ago, like a couple weeks ago. It's a great spot. Um, with my parents and my sister and my brother-in-law, because I helped my sister and my brother-in-law move a few weeks ago. So, yeah. Sweet, man. Good shit, man. So... A lot of you probably know, I tweeted about it last week, but uh, last Friday I had the great, great privilege of interviewing Kevin Brown, who does, I think we all know, does play-by-play for the O's on Masson. Uh, He's a great dude, and it's it's unfortunate that, you know, Brad, you or Josh weren't able to join me on this, but, um, so, going back a little ways, I sent Kevin a DM on Twitter before we even started recording our first episode um just as a shot in the dark i just sent him a message and said hey my friend and i are starting a podcast about the o's and we'd love to talk to you at some point if you had the time and kevin's a busy guy so he didn't respond i was i didn't didn't think anything of it and then one day like a month later out of nowhere he just i just woke up and he had responded and said he'd like he'd like to join us and when, whenever we could tr- figure out a, a time to make it happen, we can make it happen. So we DM back and forth again for another couple of weeks. Um, Kevin's schedule, unfortunately, does not really line up very well with ours because we do everything in the evenings, and nine times out of ten, Kevin's calling a game like as we're recording. So Yes, sir. Uh, it became kind of obvious that we were probably going to have to alter the schedule a little bit and... Finally, I was like, look, I'm. if you guys are okay with me doing this solo, uh, I'm going to see if I can schedule Kevin for Friday, Friday morning, because I'm off every Friday. I work four 10-hour days. So the guys were cool with it and um, sent Kevin a message to see if he was available, and he was. And after trying to figure out Skype, how to make Skype work on his end, it's not just you, buddy. Um, <laughs> we, hey, uh, flawless tonight. Yeah, yeah, it went really well tonight. I was impressed. How about that? Yep. Uh, but yeah, after a little bit. And I want to point out that I didn't do anything different from the other times that it didn't work either, so stop hating. <laughs> oh, I'm always going to hate on you because you're a boomer uh, and you don't know yeah. how to use technology, so I'm never going to stop making fun of you for that. Fair enough. 
but yeah, Kevin's a great guy. Um, we're really, really, really happy he was able to make the time for us. You know, it, it, he could have easily looked at our, you know, our follower count or that we only had a couple episodes and said no, but he's just that kind of guy, and uh, we couldn't be more thankful that he was he was nice enough to join us. So before we get into it, anything else you got to add, Brad? Before we before we cut to this interview. Well, let's cut to it, man. All let's, right. Let's listen in. Here is our interview with Kevin Brown, the play-by-play broadcaster for the Orioles on Masson. And joining us now, he's the man behind the mic with Masson, play-by-play for the O's, uh, and the guy whose voice sounds a lot like Joe Buck's, Kevin Brown. How are you doing today, man? Good, and I do get that more often than I feel that I should. <laughs> you sound a lot like him, man. I was... Uh, I was listening. I was watching the game the other night, and my roommates were like, "Is Joe Buck calling this game?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> so Joe's at the Field of Dreams. I'm at. I mean, Cannon Yards is a Field of Dreams in a way. I think it's fair to say. Oh, it absolutely is. Absolutely is. Yep. All right. So Kevin, um, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with you, but um, just a little background. Where are you from? Um, where'd you go to school? Did you go to college? Like, what what happened? Was with all that? Can you hear me? Kevin? Oh, my microphone is on mute. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> 2021. We should be able to figure this out by now. <laughs> no worries, man. We're all still adjusting. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, my phone broke up for a couple seconds there, so you have to repeat the last question if you don't mind. Yep, no worries. Uh, I was just saying, um, like, where are you from? Uh, where did you go to school? From Long Island. Grew up on Long Island, so a New Yorker of some kind. Uh, went to Syracuse University like many other in this profession and spent seven years doing minor league baseball for the AAA Syracuse Chiefs, uh, 2011-17. And then I've been with ESPN since 2016 as well, but uh, from Long Island originally. So is Syracuse a, a, like a, a well-known like school that you would go to if you wanted to be a broadcaster then? Probably the most well-known, yeah. Wow, you could trace... Know. Trace the litany back to Marty Glickman through Marv Albert, Bob Costas, Sean McDonough, Mike Tarico, Ian Eagle, Jason Benetti, Beth Mullins. Um, I could probably spend an entire podcast just talking about great broadcasters that have gone to Syracuse. But yes, to suffice it to say, it's the sort of place where you want to go if you don't mind following in footsteps that are a few sizes larger than yours. That is a lot of names. Wow, I had no idea. That's crazy. Uh, so there are I, a couple other great journalism schools, but yeah, Syracuse, we, we like to tout ourselves as the class of the class in broadcasting. And probably we're right. Yeah. Or probably we're arrogant about it. With those with those names you gave me, you definitely it's not definitely not an undeserved title. Um, so ha- have you always been into baseball? Did you always want to be a baseball broadcaster? I, I probably since I was, you know, eight or nine years old or so. Um, originally as a kid I wanted to be a zookeeper. And I think when I was around eight years old, I learned what a zookeeper actually did. And it was a lot of shoveling out of animals' uh, cages. And, hey, some people do have to do that job. And I do still love animals, so maybe I made the wrong choice. But it seems to be going well enough. I did uh, fall in love with the game right around when I was eight years old or so. Um, I grew up a Yankee fan, which I hope nobody holds against me. My dad's a Yankee fan. How could he have known I was going to get the Orioles job we'll get all these it. years later? But... Uh, 
I grew up around those great teams in the late 90s and early 2000s. And, yeah, just fell in love with the game. Fell in love with kind of all sports at once, really, as a kid. I didn't like any sports. And then when I was eight, I liked them all. But baseball just has always had a kind of spiritual hold on me. Yeah, me too. Um, my dad took me to my first game at Memorial Stadium when I was – actually, I don't even think I remember it because I was too young. But I, I know for a fact my first game was at Memorial. Um, and, yeah, it was always a thing that me and my dad did. And I like other sports too. I'm a big big, big football fan, big hockey fan as well. But baseball uh, is, is just a little higher up on the list for me. Yeah, it's uh... – what can I say? There's nothing quite as romantic to me as, as baseball. Definitely not. So how did you come to work for the O's? Did they approach you? Did you put an application? How, how did that process work out? You know, I had worked in AAA for seven years, as I said, and that was with the Nationals AAA affiliate in Syracuse. So in 2017, my final year there, um, I got a big break. And often in this industry, you need a big break. And... Charlie Slows, the Nationals' lead radio play-by-play voice, had to miss a couple of games in May of that year because his son was graduating from high school. So Dave Jagler, who is the other Nationals' radio play-by-play voice, called me out of the blue one day. I was in Washington, D.C., oddly enough, for a college basketball game. And Dave called me and said, well, I think this might be a phone call that could change your life. And he was right. He said, Charlie's missing a couple of games, and I've asked the Nats if you would want to if you would like to come fill in for a couple of Major League Baseball radio games in May in Pittsburgh. And I was taken aback, and of course I said yes. So I went and did a couple of games with Dave that year. They seemed to go well because I was leaving the Chiefs at the end of July. And on my penultimate day of calling Minor League Baseball, I got an email from the director of broadcasting of the Nationals, also named Dave, Dave London. And Dave London said that Johnny Holiday was not feeling well. Johnny was supposed to fill in on TV for an upcoming road trip for Bob Carpenter. Bob had the week off. So Dave Jagler was going to fill in on TV, and would I come fill in on radio? Uh, the Nationals are going to Miami and then Wrigley Field. And I said, yes, Dave, I can go to Miami and Wrigley Field. Please <laughs> sign me up. So I filled in on those six games with Charlie, which were also a blast. And I guess it wasn't a disaster because two years later, Joe Angel retires. The Orioles have an opening for someone to do 50, 60 games on radio. And my agent found out about it. My agent was also named Kevin. There are a lot of Daves, a lot of Kevins in the story. And he said, hey, the Orioles have an opening. Would you want to apply? And I said, sure, send him my stuff. And massive overseas talent at both the Orioles and Nationals, so even though they're different teams, I think some of the folks at Masson had seen my work, or heard my work two years ago, were familiar with it, and I guess I didn't screw it up too badly because they recommended me, and pretty shortly after, I ended up with the job. What a great uh, park to make your broadcast debut into. PNC Park is a gem in Pittsburgh. It, as nice as any. Truly as nice as any. Very high up press box, but as nice as anything. Yeah, I think I've noticed that. It is, it is very, very elevated. Um, that's great, man. Yeah, you, you, got your, you got your big break, and you, you went for it. That's, that's awesome. That's really cool. Hey, it was fun. What can I say? Sometimes you have to be good in the industry, but being lucky helps probably just as much, if not more. And I was definitely lucky. I was just going to 
tell you this really quick before I forget. It's not. I'm not even saying this just because I'm talking to you right now, but this is a totally true story. Um, earlier this summer, my fiance were sitting around and I were sitting around watching TV, and uh, she put a, a softball game on. It was the Women's College World Series. I believe it was Oklahoma and OK State. And I was in the kitchen. And I was like, I know that voice. And then you were like, you were just like on cue. You were like Kevin Brown, and I don't, don't remember who the the woman with you was. And I was like, ah, oh, that's Kevin. Amanda Scarborough. I yes, think. Amanda. <laughs> yes. Yep. And I was like, I, I was like, ah, oh, that's how I know him. It's Kevin Brown. She was like, who's that? She doesn't watch a lot of those games with me, but um, I was like, oh, who's that? Yeah. Ryan, <laughs> we're, gonna to, we're gonna have to have a conversation. She she goes to bed early. She doesn't watch baseball unless we're there, and if we're there, she doesn't hear you. So, but um, so I respect that. We um. We watched the game, and then a couple days later, I saw, I saw another game on, and I put it on. She's like, "You putting softball on?" I was like, "Uh, yeah. Kevin Brown's on the call. Of course, I want to listen." So that's this, hilarious. This is very and, cool. Uh, very cool to, to be talking to you right now. It, it's hilarious, and thank you for your rating support. The of people course. of the Walt Disney Company, we do appreciate it. <laughs> of course. Um, so. It seems like you haven't really missed a beat with it, uh, but what have you encountered any challenges with not being able to travel with the team on these road trips due to the the COVID protocols and whatnot? Yeah, hundred um, percent. And I'm I'm glad people say we haven't missed a beat because I'm glad that it sounds like we're still doing our jobs well. At the same time, it's you know you you don't want it to to be a situation where we do a good enough job to where the industry standard changes, right? You don't want it to be where the industry gets complacent and says, well, they're doing it well enough from the road. Um, we do miss the personal side of it. I mean, the, just the storytelling I'm able to do, I can't do that if we're not on the road. And so it's not even always about what you see and what you can't see. It's about you know going up to Don Long before the game, the Oriole City coach, and hearing him tell about the story of him calling into 950 KHJ in Seattle and being caller number nine twice and requesting Aerosmith's walk this way. And then Don Long's glee when Aerosmith's walk this way is the first song played at BP that day. That, that little kind of stuff that maybe doesn't impact the game. But I think when you're a fan of a baseball team, you, you kind of grow with the voice or the voices of that team. And just the little moments, the storytelling, the things that deepen your appreciation for the people, I think that matters. And on the road, we're not around the team. We can't get that. Technically, it is more challenging, for sure. Um, we watch a few other angles, but anything that's not happening on the main program feed is in a very small box. So if somebody's stealing a base and you don't see it right away in the program feed, you're surprised. Or you're looking at a screen of folks that looks like, well, a bunch of ants from overhead. So that is a challenge. Yeah, I imagine it is. And... Yeah, and I hope it doesn't become the norm because, it, like everything you just said, there's so much more than just going to call a baseball game. Um, but you are doing a really good job, and oftentimes when I'm watching the games, I forget that you guys aren't there until they pan and you know go to the camera shot of you and Ben or Jim or whoever in the booth, and you know you see a dark Camden Yards behind you, and I'm like, oh yeah, they're not even there. Yeah, we're very good at uh, being the only light in the center of Camden Yards these days. Um, so I had uh, I had our two other our two co-hosts. Her name uh, Brad and Josh. They're both very good friends of mine, and uh, I told them to add whatever questions they could since they um, 
it couldn't be with me today. But uh, Josh wants to know if there is. Do you know of any plans to in place to get away broadcasters back on the road trips anytime soon? I don't think it's going to happen this year. Uh, I'm I'm hopeful, definitely optimistic that it will happen in 2022. Um, I just think this year is too much of a combination of logistical challenge plus you know teams have made the commitment to the year and probably just going to see that through financially. Um, True. Only a couple of TV teams are traveling on the road to any close games right now, and some radio teams are. And you look, I'd love it if we were, of course, but it's just still a weird year and a weird time. And the industry's, like every industry, has been shaken up by COVID, and now we have the Delta variant. And I think teams are going to want to be even more cautious about that. So I don't expect we'll be on the road this year. Uh, I do expect that come next season, we should be back. Hopefully there aren't seven new coronavirus mutations by then that keep us off the road. But I do expect to be back next year. Yeah, and we, we will all hope for that for sure. So keeping on the topic of Masson for a minute, who is your favorite person to work with in the in the organization? Pass. Hard pass. <laughs> no. No, okay. listen, I, 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 I genuinely don't have an answer for this. There's no way I could choose between – you know, just on TV alone, Ben and Jim, they're completely different at the way they call a game. Uh, they're, they bring their own distinct energies to the booth. I honestly love both. And if you, if you gave me truth serum or if you asked people behind the scenes what I say, it would be the same the answer. answer. Uh, getting to call games with Jim Palmer and Ben McDonald. I mean, who, who, who has a better job in the world than this? So Seriously. I... I really, really love calling a game with both of them, and I love the different energy and the insight that, that they bring. So that is, it sounds like a cliche. It is not a cliche when I tell you they, they are both wonderful, and I could never pick one over the other. I always thought uh, I always thought you and Melanie had pretty good chemistry, too. I believe I remember you guys doing some radio games together before you transitioned to TV. I, true, I do forget that I do radio sometimes. That's right, it's been a long TV stretch. But yeah, I, I've got some more radio coming up, and some with Melanie, some with Brett. Jeff and I did the radio together last year, some, and uh, we only had the first series of this year because one of us is the lead on each broadcast now, so we don't get to work together again. But I, I hope that I've gotten along. I mean, I, I have gotten along well with all three of those folks, and I hope it sounds uh, that way on the air. I, I do like everybody that I work with here, and they're good people. I mean, there are no jerks with this organization in terms of on-air folks, which is very, very nice because you don't have to fake liking somebody when you actually like mm -hmm. them. And Brett and Jeff do an outstanding job. I, I don't get to listen to them very often, uh, but when the, uh, the only time I really do is when I can pull up the MLB app on my phone when, they're, uh, when you guys have a day game and uh, listen on there. But uh, I really appreciated Brett and Jeff uh, during John Means' no-hitter. Because I was at work the whole time, I really only I was by the time I got home, I was only able to catch like the eighth and ninth inning, and they did an outstanding job of just describing how good he was that day. Without, like I I could understand how how dominant he was without even seeing him throw a single pitch, and I think that's something that not everyone can do. That's the hope of the magic of radio that we can transport you to a certain place where you can't be a, an audience that is blind to what's happening and it's why I'm, I'm glad I get to do some more radio coming up because being able to paint that picture I think is a really fun skill and yeah those two were, were pretty brilliant on that day 
Joe Angel was really good at that as well. Um, all right, so I hope you don't mind a couple uh, a couple sillier questions here. What I have left. Um, sure. So this one's from Josh, and he says, "Who is your favorite uh, unsung hero in baseball?" So maybe a uh, kind of like a Ryan Flaherty, someone like a cult hero among a fan base of a player that wasn't you know an all star or anything like that. Well, I mean. <laughs> When you say unsung hero, my first thought was not a player. I don't know if I'm allowed to pick a non-player as an unsung hero. Oh, no, of course. Of course. You can pick anybody you want. Okay. My favorite unsung hero is the Orioles groundskeeper, Nicole Sherry, because of the rain we had the last couple of days, the fact that we were able to play those games as quickly as we were. Um, Nicole is amazing. Her crew is amazing. The, the work they put in on the field, I get to see before the game when folks are not there, and the diligence with which they water and rake and do everything and then the way that they get the field drained quickly they are heroic and especially in the summer where it's been a hundred degrees the last couple of days it's been so that bad. is unsung heroism uh not off the field in the same sense as physically off the field off the field in the sense that they're not players but they put in a lot of the important work before the players can do their things that is not at all what I expected you to say, but that's a fantastic answer, I think. Because, yeah, they are they are insane at what they do. The um, best. Truly the best. So keeping with the theme of, uh, of Camden Yards, what's your, um, what do you like the most about the stadium? Oh, man, what do I like the most? I mean, do I have to pick one thing? <laughs> you can it's, rant on it's, about it's, everything you love about it if you want to. Yeah. To me, it's the brick. It's I mean, there's a lot, but the brick, which which starts at the warehouse and extends throughout the stadium, I, I just visually, it's so appealing. And getting to know Baltimore the last couple of years, walking into apartments, walking into my apartment, seeing the exposed brick, it's just, it's architecturally beautiful. I think it's timeless. I, I love the decisions that were made around the warehouse back in the early '90s because it really does look like a building in an area that could have been plucked out of 1930 or could have been put in today. I mean, it is the timelessness of yeah. Camden Yards that appeals to me the most. You know, I think, and I think you, you bringing up the break is a, is a great point. It, cause it is what gives, Oh my God, I'm sorry for that. Um, it is what gives Camden. It's, it's aesthetic, I think. And I didn't realize that until I visited Seattle uh, back in May, I have a good friend that lives out there, and we're walking around downtown, and we walk past T-Mobile Park, and I was like, "Man, this place looks like Camden," and it doesn't really look like Camden from the outside too much. It's just that brick. The brick makes you instantly think of Camden Yards. I have not been to Seattle, but I hope very much that I will go there next year. But it, I've heard beautiful things about that park. It is a beautiful city. I, I wish the Mariners were in town. We would have been at a game for sure. It's it's a beautiful city. I, I love Washington. Um, going back in a little bit here, probably a couple next couple months. Um, it's one of the one of the best places in the states I've visited for sure. Yeah, I'm very pro Pacific Northwest and always. Yeah, me as well. Me as well. I'd love, I'd love to get some, see some more of this state um, when I get out there. Um, so Josh has another uh, kind of silly question here, but <laughs> if you were to create a new minor league team, what would be the name and the mascot that you would give it? 
Or if you can't think of anything on the spot here, um, maybe you could give us your favorite, uh, your favorite silly minor league team name and mascot that that already exists. Well, the answer to that question is for sure the Rocket City Trash Pandas. <laughs> That's the only correct answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are a lot of contenders. Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp is great. Binghamton Rumble Ponies. I I grew up you know, going to a lot of Binghamton Mets games because my uh, my grandparents lived up near Binghamton. One of them, and my grandmother still does up near Binghamton, New York, and so we go to the B Mets games all the time. Um, never did I expect that it would be the B Rumble Ponies. Did not see that one coming. I actually saw my first no hitter ever in Binghamton. Um, but I have man, I have no idea. Um, where does the team have to be located in this creative scenario? You can put it anywhere you want. If it's a place that already has oh, one, God. give them another one. <laughs> Gosh, I'm gonna have to think on this, Josh. I will get I will get back to you at some point, either during this interview or a later date. All right, we'll move on. We'll come back. We'll come back to it at the end. Okay. Um, speaking of the minors, uh, how how plugged in are you to the minor league system of of the O's? A little plugged in. I'm sure there are a lot of folks that are a lot more plugged in. Um, I wouldn't say I watch many games. They're usually going on at the same time as ours, but I try to check the box scores every night. I try to follow who's doing well and make sure that um, as up-to-date as I can be without actually seeing the team in person. Mm -hmm. um, but this has been a year where every day it's very exciting to follow the minors. You know, the major league team is still obviously in a rebuild, but man, to, to have minor league baseball again after not having it last year, just waking up every morning and seeing, oh, Grayson did this, or Adley did this, or Jordan Westberg did this, is pretty delightful. So I wouldn't say the minutia of it I am as in-depth on as some folks who are going to the games and watching. I haven't been able to do that, but yeah, it's it's it makes the, the job more fun, and especially this year with the greatness of the minor league system to be as plugged in. So I'm trying to get more and more into it every day. Yeah, that's it's something we try to cover as much as possible on on our show because it's just as much as we hate to say it, there's not a whole lot to talk about with the major league team right now. You know, we can talk about players like Ryan Mountcastle and Cedric Mullins, but as a whole, I think right now it's it's it, there's a little more good to talk about when you talk about the minor league system. And um, so we have a we have a, an organizational fantasy game that we play on the show where every week. Uh, we draft a team from one hitter from every level, all the way from rookie ball up to the majors, and then we take one pitcher from anywhere in the organization, and uh, we they play you know they play their games for the weeks between episodes, and uh, we have you know uh, Brad tallies up the scores at the very end, and we see who won. So it's a it's a it's a fun thing that we've we've adopted for the show, and uh, so far I'm three and zero. I haven't lost yet. Look at you with the humble brag. <laughs> Absolutely, it was it was a lot less humble last night on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. So, do you have a do you have a favorite prospect? Do you have anybody that you really like to you like to keep up with? Um, you know, the obvious ones that you mentioned: Jordan Westberg, Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, do you have anybody else that maybe isn't on the top 100 list, but you really like to see see what they're up to down in the minor leagues? Um, my eyes have been on Felix Bautista for a little while. 
I think he made his AAA debut the same night as Adley's AAA debut, if I'm he not did. mistaken. I could, I could be mistaken. Okay. You're and correct. and reportedly was throwing 99 in the ninth inning. Um, his strikeout numbers are off the charts. As I look at it now, it's 56 and 31 in the third innings. His ERA is .86. Um, three years ago, this guy was in the Gulf Coast League. Two years ago, this guy was in A-ball. And in fact, the start of this year, this guy was in A-ball. And I, I'm sure I'd heard of him, but I could not tell you anything about Felix Bautista before this year. Oh, and in a system that's you know certainly looking for relievers and relief arms, it's been a delight to see his name in box scores all the time with two strikeouts in an inning or three strikeouts in an inning. And he may be one of those late bloomers out of nowhere. You know, the Orioles are certainly looking for relievers and at six five guys throwing ninety nine miles an hour. I I hope we'll see him in the big leagues at some point soon. It it seems like a really, really fascinating profile. And he's he is huge. He's a huge man. You can it's not easy to tell sometimes when you look at on T V, but every time I see a video clip on him, I'm like, Good lord, that guy's big. Yeah, I, I haven't only, you know, I've only seen him in video clips, but big guy, big arm. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting profile. Yeah, he's been he's been the talk of the town recently, actually. We we brought him up on on last week's show, Brad brought him up in his, his prospect report, and yeah, he seems to be really be catching eyes of everybody that follows this team, so... It's always fun when you have your you have your main guys that you're looking for, and it's it's super fun when another guy you might not have expected kind of comes out of nowhere, like Bautista seems to be doing right now. Yeah, I mean that's what makes the minor league system right. It's you want to have Adley Rushman and Grayson Rodriguez become who they are, but you need to have depth to be a successful minor league system. And I think what Mike Elias and this front office have done is allocate that depth, not just top end guys, but lower draft picks, under-the-radar moves, free agent signings, and you know, hopefully Bautista is one of those late bloomers who's found the Orioles program to be one of his liking, to get him you know, out of nowhere into the spotlight here at age 26. Yeah, that would be, certainly be awesome. So um, I'm going to shift a little bit and, and talk a little less about baseball for now and talk a little bit more about you. Um, what do you like to do in your free time, man, when, you're, when you get a day off like today? Um, yeah, what do, you, what do you like to do? What do you like to spend your time doing? Uh, today, probably, I will finish a book I've been meaning to finish for a long time. Um, today, I will we'll go see some friends and have a game night, which is very exciting. I love playing board games. I'm very competitive. I don't get to play nearly as much as I want to, but I relish the opportunity when I do. Um, Sometimes I really play a lot of piano. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I run a lot. Sometimes I don't. It's hard to maintain these habits during the season, but um, I, I also listen to a ton of music and try to touch basically any area of the music industry that is not electro pop or top 40 country. But yeah, I, I try to, on a day like this, have nothing to do with baseball to keep my mind fresh. It's so funny that you bring up music because my next question that I have for you from Josh is. What do you like to listen to? Um, I consider myself the biggest uh, Oasis fan in the United States. I uh, love the mid to late 90s to early to mid 2000s Brett Hop of Oasis. Um, I love the Beatles. I'm obsessed with them, with U2, with Bruce Springsteen, with Green Day. But like, I'll listen to a lot of different stuff. I am obsessed with, uh, with Casey Musgraves' country album from a couple of years ago, Golden Hour. Um, I'll listen to 
hip hop. I'll listen to, gosh, a lot of stuff. I mean, it, it pretty much stems from growing up listening to classic rock, and then I branched out a lot from there. Um, what was I listening to the other day? Oh man, um, something really great that I cannot recall right now. What it was? Oh, I was listening to a couple of Ramones albums the other day, which are delightful, and I really don't know the the back catalog of the Ramones that well. So yeah, I just try to try to veer from one thing to the next and now I have Sirius XM Radio which is very dangerous for my listening habits it's a good way to discover new stuff that's for sure Sirius yeah. XM do you ever do you ever dabble in uh, dabble in metal because I I'm a pretty closed minded music listener I'm not even going to lie and uh, that's pretty much all I listen to do you ever get in any any heavy metal music some some but not too much but I'm happy to take recommendations Oh boy. Okay. Um, hmm, I'm trying to think if I should ease you into it or just throw you off the deep end here. Um, I have a couple bands that I, I default back to a lot, um, even though I'll go on kicks of listening to newer stuff that I found or maybe older stuff that I'm going back to. But the the main couple bands that I default to, I'm sure you've heard of Slipknot. Oh yeah, Slipknot's their album that. Was it two years ago their new album came out? Or two last years ago. Year? Two years ago, like yesterday, I believe. Yeah. Oh, I love that record. I thought that was really great. I should I should actually pull that back up because I've listened to it a couple of times after it came out, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a it's a great record. It's pretty crazy. Those guys are still going as hard as they do um, over twenty years into their tenure as a band. Yeah. Well, now you give me something to listen to today. This is good because I I've I've forgotten what was that. Was it uh, "We Are Not Your Kind"? Was mm -hmm. that the one? That's the one. Okay. You yeah. should and and you should also go back a couple albums as well if you really want to deep dive into it. The one before that was um, called uh, "The Point Five The Gray Chapter," and um, that one is has a lot of pretty hard hitting lyrical themes because it's the first record that they've done uh, since their bass player Paul Gray died. So there's okay. A, <clears throat> excuse me. There's a lot of really good stuff on there. And then, um, previous to that was um, a album called All Hope Is Gone, which came out in 2008 when I was in 8th grade, and I'm not kidding you, that was the only album, the only piece of music that I consumed for four or five months, maybe. I don't know, uh, I don't know if, if I've ever consumed only one album for four to five months. But the fact that you only consumed an album for four to five months called All Hope Is Gone does make me worry a little bit, Ryan. I hope you did not lose all hope at the time. I didn't realize how that sounded until you said that. That's, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, um, Slipknot's really good. They're, they're my default, my go-to band. Corn um, is another band that I really, really like listening to. I've, I've, it's taken me a while to get into them. They've been around since before I was born. But of, of about two years ago, I really started getting into Corn, and they've got a you know, ten or eleven album back catalog. So I've had a lot of, a lot of music to consume getting into them. You ever listen to? You ever listen to them at all? Just a little bit. Just what I know on the radio. Yeah, they're, they're a little weird, but I, I do like them. And then, getting into a little heavier, heavier metal side, uh, there's a band called August Burns Red. Um, they might not be your cup of tea, but you should still check them out because I think they're pretty catchy. Okay, August Burns Red. I'll give it a whirl. Um, so. We're gonna circle back to your minor league team and mascot. What do you got? Um, the uh, 
the Des Moines Slipknots. No, I don't. I don't <laughs> no, that's good. That's really good. I don't know. That's really good. I like that's that. What, that's what we'll stick with. We're going to keep that. It wouldn't be the, the Knots. certainly wouldn't be the weirdest one. It'll just be the Knots. The Knots? Okay. So it can be slip, slip or garlic, whatever kind of knot you want. I like it. We're going to have two minor league teams called the Nuts. Why not? Why not? Oh, <laughs> uh, let me see. What else do I have here for you? Um, actually, you know what, Kevin? That is, that's all I've got for you, man. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I, it's been a long time coming trying to put this together, and I know you're a, you're a really busy guy. And uh, we really appreciate you taking the time out to um, to do this with me. It's it's been it's been a lot of fun. So thank you. Well, sorry our schedules hadn't converged before now, but you're quite welcome. And I hope I will come up with a better minor league team name than that soon. I will do my best. Feel free to tweet it at me, and I'll uh, we'll make sure we put it out there on the okay. on the the account. Okay, the great. Um, thank you, Ryan. Thank you so much, Kevin. You have a fantastic day, and um, yeah, thank you again, man. We really appreciate it. You too. Bye-bye. And there it was, our interview with Kevin Brown. Uh, again, so thankful to Kevin for joining us and uh, just wish him all the best as he continues to hopefully become the the main guy in the O's booth because I think anyone that watches games, that's that's everyone's favorite guy to have in the booth. Uh, Brad, what did you think of the interview, man? Yeah, man, absolutely. Our first celeb appearance and hopefully first of many, so... You did a good job with that, and it was great that Kevin took up some time to uh, let you pick his brain a little bit. It would have been cool if I was able to sit in on it, but it's obviously great content to add to the podcast. So, yeah, there was no hesitation on my part when you came to me and said, oh, would you be mad at me if I did it on my own? Like, hell no, dude. That's sick. We're going to get him on. And that's really what it comes down to. We want people to be able to access content like that. So I definitely really appreciate listening on it. Yeah, it sucked. Um, just I had to do it at ten in the morning, and I know that that really interferes with your work schedule. And but it became clear yeah. after exchanging a couple of messages that, like, I mean, number one, with a guy like him taking time to appear on the show, we have to make it work for his schedule. So Absolutely. It became pretty clear that, that was going to be the only way to to be able to work it in. Um, yep. But I thought it went really well. Kevin's a really, really nice guy, and I thought he had like really well thought out, articulate answers for every question I asked him. Even though some of them were, I mean, kind of basic, but I think what really stood out to me was when I asked him about like the the whole unsung hero question was. It was almost like, do you? Ha- it was almost alluding to like, do you have like a favorite like meme player like Ryan Flaherty? Like, there's some people that <laughs> just like bad players for some reason, and. Obviously, it's not how he interpreted it because he said... Like, Rio the, Ruiz. Yeah. Well, I would have cut the interview off if he'd have said that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> um, good. That's, what, that's why I partner with you on this. <laughs> but, no, he said, you know, right off the bat, he said, the grounds crew. I can't remember. Like, who, the hell, who the hell would think of that? Hey, hey, as a assistant superintendent at Turf Valley, I can appreciate him showing the love for the people <laughs> who keep Camden Yards looking beautiful. That's right. You are a groundskeeper. Mm-hmm. I have to have you tell your uh, tell your Copperhead story sometime on here. We got a little more time. I mean, I'll just tell the short version. When I was got <laughs> my start in turf management down in Florida, I got chased by a Copperhead snake. I got away, so suck it, Copperhead snake. I went. <laughs> did you go? Did you ever go back to try to kill it, or did you just say 
No, I'm done. No, I was I was too scared. To be honest with you, I had. <laughs> it's embarrassing to admit this. I had a tool in my hand that I could have killed it with. I was too afraid that I was going to like whiff, and <laughs> it was going to like jump at me, and it was going to bite me. And I was like, "Fuck no, I'm not dealing with this. I'm just bolting." <laughs> Oh, so man. I could have if I was like, and I, I I did see that happen a couple times down there. Um, another guy I saw him kill two copperheads in the time I was there. So <laughs> others can do it, but I was too terrified to take a chance. I just instinctively ran. Are there any? Did you ever encounter any other like potentially harmful animals on the on the courses down there? Uh, bobcat a couple times, but I had a shovel in my hands and it was kind of a smaller one, so I was never really that scared. But it like ran right past me. Any gators? Surprisingly, well, okay, I saw a couple pop their heads out of ponds, but then I never saw one come out of the water. It actually kind of pissed me off because there was guys that worked at other golf courses that were like, oh, yeah, over at this course, such and such, they just hang out and sunbathe on the tee boxes all day. Meanwhile, I'm living in Port St. Lucie, and I'm walk. I'm going to random parks all the time. Like, I want to see gators. Like, I actually want to see them come out of the water. And I'm going to places where people are suggesting. And, like, I never saw them. It's kind of bullshit. So, <laughs> like, I saw them pop their eyes up every now and then, but never actually saw them full out come out of the water. So, well, it was me. Justin, we're now, we are now a uh, Florida wildlife podcast. Sorry, everyone. Yep, exactly right. <laughs> All right, well, once again, I can't say it enough. Thank you, Kevin, for joining us and giving and sparing your, some of your time to some lowly podcasters like us. Um, to cap off the show this evening, bud, um, why don't you tell us all about uh, the just tidal wave of promotions that went through the O's system last week, or this week? I, this week. I will get into that here in a second, but one other thing I wanted to comment on the Kevin Brown interview real quick and something that I am also embarrassed to admit here. As a huge minor league baseball fan, the new uh, Rocket City Trash Pandas, that was the team that he listed as the team that was his uh, favorite minor league name. Yes. And I think this might be their first year in existence, and I actually was not familiar with them. And as a fan of crazy minor league teams, I probably would have picked the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp or maybe the Montgomery Biscuits or something along those lines, but upon here at Rocket City Trash Pandas, that's an excellent decision. So cheers to you, Kevin. See, I'm an I'm an avid fisherman. I've always you know, one of the things me and my dad that's pretty much the things me and my dad did when I was growing up was we went to baseball games, we went fishing. Um yep. so I'm really partial to the Gwinnett stripers because their okay. their mascot is like the the striped bass, just like the state fish of Maryland. It's like the most common fish caught in the bay. And, right. You know, I mean, we got a lot of stories about us catching those things, and then I think arguably my favorite is the Pensacola Blue Wahoos, which okay. is a, which is a fantastic name and a really cool fish. Um, gone on a couple offshore trips, and we've caught wahoos before. They're like, if you can think of like a mackerel, they're just the biggest one there is. And okay. Only found out in the out in the Gulf Stream, you know, feeding on smaller fish and all that, but they're yeah. That'd be my favorite for sure. Hell yeah, I'm all about it, man. I just love the minor league life <laughs> altogether. Yeah, I think the players would like the minor league life a lot better if they were paid a little more. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously they want to get through it as soon as possible, which leads us to our next uh, segment. Just going to go through the promotions a little bit. There was a lot that went on. The Orioles promoted 
31 players throughout the organization. So I'm just going to kind of go through the key ones here a little bit. Uh, Del Marva actually had, and this is the first time I've ever seen this, they had a 100% lineup turnover from their Sunday lineup to their Monday lineup. So just for comparison right here, I'm going to pull up their lineup on Sunday. And, okay, they had T.T. Bones. That's a nice little name. Daryl Hernandez, fifth-round pick a couple years ago. John Carmona, Lamar Sparks, Christopher Cespedes, Willie Yon, Mason Janrin, and uh, catcher Michaels. Anyway, uh, Trevor Keehee ends up getting cut. Logan Michaels is who I'm referring to. Trevor Keehee ends up getting cut. A couple of them end up getting promotions. A couple of them went to the bench. And two days later, Monday comes around. And let's look at that starting lineup that puts up 10 runs against the Fredericksburg Nationals. They had pretty much exclusively 20, 21 draft picks. You had Reed Trimble in left field, Connor Norby at second. Colton Kowser in center. Well, okay, and then they had Kobe Mayo, so that's a 2020 draft pick, but that's your boy right there. He was the only one. The Fantasy, entire lineup yeah. was 2021 draftees, just yep. less Kobe Mayo. Yep, fantasy super, superstar. And then you had Dante Williams DHing, and Jonathan Rhodes playing right field. Oh, I just lost it there for a second. Uh... Catching, you had Connor Pavloni, and he had a sick debut down in low A ball. He went two for three with a bomb and a double, so good on him. Jacob Teeter playing first base, Colin Burns playing shortstop. So that was exciting to see, and they put up big numbers offensively. So a lot of fun going on down there, getting promoted up to Aberdeen, the big names being T.T. Bowens another one of your guys, and Christopher Cespedes, who, a double-digit home run guy down on the low levels. They've been saying he hits the ball just as hard as anybody. Bowie, uh, from Aberdeen to Bowie, we had J.D. Mundy, Jordan Westberg, Andrew Dashback, and the key guy moving up to Norfolk was Blaine Knight. So there was a lot of other things going on, um, but those were really the key star names that you want to pay attention to. As far as standings are going on right now, so I actually just recently found out, and really only because they actually just recently made the announcement, it hasn't been certain all year long that they were even going to have playoffs in the minors, and AAA is still not going to. Instead, they're going to be extending their season. Tides wouldn't have had to worry about that anyway. They wouldn't have been going, but they are more excited to watch now with all the guys that have been moving up. But as far as double a goes and low a and high a ball so there's only going to be a championship series but it's not necessarily the two division winners it's just the two best records so Bowie, although they're behind the acker rubber ducks acker's got the best uh the best record at that level and Bowie's tied with the somerset patriots for the second spot which would be in the championship game so that's something to keep an eye on uh, so Bowie very much in the mix to play against Akron in the championship, and there's still time left in the season. We got another month or so left, so Akron could also fall off too. But hopefully Bowie can stay hot with these guys that just moved out. Obviously, we're excited to see what Jordan Westberg's got. We're excited to see what JD Mundy's got. Those are some big time guys. 
Delmarva, they're roughly about five games out of a playoff spot now at this point. Aberdeen, they're second place, but they're way out of it. As far as some exciting guys that are still down in Rookie Bowl, I mentioned Trendon Craig last week, and he's off to a great start. He's 6 for 15 with a double home run, four walks, and three stolen bases, so that's great to see. And another shout-out to one of the guys that I drafted a few weeks ago out of the Dominican Summer League, Anderson De Los Santos. He's a 17-year-old shortstop with a 1.023 OPS right now. So that's another guy that's making a little bit of noise down at Rookie Bowl on the DSL. So just another uh, tidbit, someone to keep an eye on right there. Uh, I know we mentioned the, the promotion uh, on our last episode, but I wanted to just go over, you know, he's the new consensus number one prospect in all of baseball. Um, MLB pipe, even at the MLB pipelines, uh, yeah. ratings that just came Everybody. out. Everybody. Now that Wander Franco has graduated from prospect status. Yes. Uh, you know, of course, we're talking about Adley Rushman, who got the call up to Norfolk uh, not too long ago. Uh, I just wanted to point out, though, that he has more than hit the ground running in AAA. Uh, he is in six games. This is not counting what's going on tonight. Uh, in six games, he's batting 440. He's 11 for 25. He's got two doubles, a home run, six RBIs, one stolen base, and a 1.102 OPS. So, yep. small sample and, size, of course, but he's he's just he's continuing the same pace, even though he's facing higher level competition now, and it's fantastic to see. And it's also been very widely uh, reported on that he's seemed to have had a serious impact on the pitching as well. Absolutely, and a brief update: he is one for two with a double against tonight. So he's got that OPS up to one point one three one. So, honestly. We know that the reason they're holding him down at this point is because of they want to get that extra year before he gets free agency. It's service clock reasons. Elias is never going to openly admit that, but most GMs do it. It is what it is. It sucks for the player. It's good for the team. But once the deadline passes next year where he's fulfilled that Super 2 status, there's no reason to keep him down. I think we're going to see him pretty much the next day. So... And we joked around last week, Elias is going to probably come out with some <laughs> uncomfortable quotes about, oh, he's, he's close, he's not quite ready yet, he just needs a little bit more seasoning. now. that has nothing to do with it. He's ready, he's clearly the best catcher in the organization right now. He probably could be a top five catcher in baseball right now, possibly, so. I wouldn't, I can't, yeah, I wouldn't doubt I, it. I can't wait to see him. I can't wait to see him. But too. another guy I want Another guy I want to give a, sh- a shout-out to that had fallen off the map this year, but I stayed behind him the whole time. My guy, Ryland Bannon. As of last week, I think we just went through the numbers when we before we got started. His OPS going into last Thursday's episode was, what was it, 496? 494. 494. He's hit seven home runs in the last seven games, eight extra base hits total. He had a double mixed in there. He's also been drawing walks, too. He's got six walks in there. His OPS has risen about 215 points. Er, <laughs> it's absurd. About 213 points. Yeah, it's at 707 now. So while 707 is not a great OPS by any stretch, like I look at that and I'm not like, okay, he's having an amazing year. But he's the hottest hitter in baseball regardless of level right now. He is. So... Obviously, I don't expect him to maintain it on this level, like to this extent. But if this gets his confidence going, can get it back to where he needs to be, 
he is now officially back on the radar to be a potential September call-up. We discussed that last week. I personally, as much as I'm a Bama fan, didn't think he had earned it. Right now, you can make a legitimate case that he's already on the 40-man roster. When the rosters expand, give him a look. Like, what the hell we got to lose? The Orioles have lost 15 games in a row right now. There's not a whole lot going on at the big league level to get excited about. There is some. Cedric Mullins is still killing it. Mountcastle is actually still swinging a hot bat. Hayes is doing all right. So, again, as I've noted before, the guys that matter are still doing pretty well overall. Indeed. But it would, be, it would be nice to see some of these guys like Bannon get a shot just so we can see what we have out of them. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I, it would hurt me to see him never get a shot. And I think now he's on the cusp of earning it. He at least is, is making a case. But if he, if he can stay hot just a little bit longer, we could see him in September now. Couldn't agree more, buddy. Um, another quick note here, uh, Jemai Jones has gone deep tonight. His 11th homer of the season. Right. Right. Uh, shame he still doesn't know how to put a glove on. Um, third round pick from 2021, John Rhodes, uh, has just hit his first professional home run with okay, the Shorebirds. there you go. boy, John. Yep. Um, cool. And all these numbers and stats and all that is courtesy of the BSL On The Verge Twitter feed. So if you don't follow those guys already, give them a follow, because if you like anything that has to do with Theo's minor league system, you need to be following them. Cool. And I do also recommend, I also have the MILB app, which makes it easy for me to track scores, box scores up to date. They've got live game casts, so you can see what's going on up to the minute. That's how I kind of keep up with uh, what's going on game to game, but I follow those BSL guys on Twitter. They do a great job. They have that MILVTV apps. They're always posting highlights, and it's uh, it's great to see. It's great to see someone that shares our enthusiasm with this shit, because there's not many people. Most of our fan base just sees the Orioles getting their ass whooped every night, and that's the extent of it. We're hopeless. No. Dude. Uh, baseball America came out and ranked us the second ranked farm system in all of baseball just behind Seattle, and we're going to be adding another high draft pick this year. So I am fucking jacked to the tits, dude, about what's going to put <laughs> about about our future. So, jacked, so jacked to the tits might be the best soundbite we've had yet on the show. Jacked to the tits, brother. It's, uh, there's good days ahead, and I do also want to point out the Diamondbacks have actually been winning some games lately. And now have three more wins in the Orioles. So we are in that 1-1 slot as of right now. Now there's still a considerable amount of games left. Anything can happen. But while I will still be rooting for guys like Cedric, Mountcastle, Hayes, and anybody of significance gets called up, I'm definitely on the train where I want that 1-1. So. Well, don't let Josh hear you say that. I think he knows where I stand because I've been <laughs> I've been uh, commenting on his tweets, let's go, and then tagging the Diamondbacks. So. <laughs> and he's uh, he's clicked like on him, so he knows he he knows where I'm at. Josh Josh knows what he's talking about. He just he does. Yeah, he's a smart dude. He uh, he, I don't know. He just is a little, I guess, a little more fed up with it than we are. I get it. I mean. Uh, they're 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 complete and utter dog shit at the big league level. I I get where they're coming, like people being pissed off at it. I get where they're coming from. Jorge Lopez has no place in the major league rotation. 
Spencer Watkins, okay, he had a nice start or two, but he's regressed to pretty much what we expected. Um, Matt Harvey, he had a couple decent good starts lately, but, I mean, he's not what he used to be. John Means, I mean, I kind of hope he can get it back together because ever since that sticky stuff rule came out, I don't know if I'm going to blame it on that or if it's just he hasn't regained his forms just coming back from injury. But I hope he does. He's had more good starts value. than bad ones. Well, yeah, overall in the year, for sure. No, I mean since he come back. Okay, I mean, I feel like he's had a couple decent ones, but he's got to hit around a good amount, too. So Yeah, and uh. he, got, he did get knocked around a little bit on his last start, but three of those runs are unearned because the O's played horrendously shitty defense once again. Okay, yeah, fair enough. So I think I, mean, I think John's okay. He was I, I watched a good bit of that start. He was he was really spotting his pitches early on. He looked really, really good. He got squeezed he was getting squeezed a lot by that umpire. Um yeah. I, I know a lot of people are already wanting to hit the panic button on means, but I'm just not he's okay. I'm with it, man. I'm with it. Yeah, I, I think he'll be all right. I, he might not be, but for right Hopefully. now, I'm not. I'm not panicked about him yet. Hopefully, yeah. All right, man. Do you got anything else to add? Uh, honestly, man, I think I'm good for this week. I look forward to bringing the fantasy segment back next week, and we'll just start clean. No rules about whoever you drafted a few weeks ago. It's been a few weeks since we've done it, so you'll be drafting one. I'll be two. Josh will be three. And Josh, Josh still isn't back yet. Yeah, he'll be back next. <laughs> wait, he'll be back next week though, right? He'll be back the week after. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, once he comes back, then all right. So two weeks. We'll. Bring well back. I mean, we can still do it with our guest. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. If you want. Uh, are we announcing who our guest is going to be yet? Or are we waiting? Yeah, on that? I was. I mean, it's already been confirmed, so I was going to do it right now. All right. Um, in the wake of yet another Josh absence, um, still he's using up all of his PTO already from his new job. But, uh, yeah, next week we're going to have uh, Bob Phelan from BSL on the Verge join us. Um, maybe some of you saw me do a, do a baseball card pod with him on Monday, but he's going to be jumping on the show next week with me and Brad. Uh, it should be fun. I told him that we should probably just do an all- minor league podcast let's just do a deep dive on the system uh there's not there's nothing to talk about with the pro team anyway so i feel like from the times i've listened to that i've listened to them they're kind of in the same boat as me with they're pretty much just enthusiastic about the minor league team and they're not super pressed about the fact that the major league team is dropping games right now so that'll be fun to talk to them yeah they are you like you should be on that show instead of this one honestly <laughs> yeah because I'm, yeah, definitely, I, I, I pay attention to the major league team because I want to see individual performances, but minor league is really my passion right now. But once it's because I'm long-term focused on the organization, and I think we got some really good fun times ahead of us in the next few years. I think we do as well. And uh, I think that's going to do it for this, for this evening. So, everyone... Thanks for listening in. Thank you, Kevin Brown, once again. And uh, everyone, have a great night. Here, here. Cheers.